0: Houston, you have a problem. A- Actually, let me amend that statement. Houston, we are your problem. Courtesy of Hilton Magic and your Iowa State Cyclones, there are no undefeated teams remaining in D1 men's college hoops. That game sparked a series of mayhem in the college hoops world between Tuesday and Wednesday that included number one ranked Purdue falling to Nebraska, number three ranked Kansas falling to Central Florida. Number five-ranked Tennessee, falling to Mississippi State. Number four, Yukon barely surviving a scare by Xavier. Number nine, Oklahoma, falling to TCU. Number 11, Marquette, falling to Butler. 13th-ranked Memphis, needing overtime to survive UTSA. Number 18-ranked BYU, losing in a ranked matchup to 14th-ranked Baylor. And 17th-ranked Colorado State, losing to Boise State. Oh, and that's just in men's hoops. Women's Hoops saw the 24th-ranked West Virginia Mountaineers surrender a 19-point lead to our ladies in the Cardinal and gold, who eventually ended up winning by 10, and 4th-ranked Baylor losing by 21 points to an unranked Kansas squad. Every year it seems that there's one or two weeks that we deem upset week, and if this isn't a candidate for one of the best, most chaotic upset weeks of all time, I don't know what is. It's mayhem. It's mayhem and the pollsters are going to have no idea what to do with this. I'm all here for it. Today's Friday, January 12th. I'm Matt Menson and this is the Cornfield Sports Pod.
1: Yeah, I wonder what's going on at the Associated Press right now.
0: Dude, the the journalists have to vote on this or they got <laughs> their heads got to be spinning. And the week ain't done yet. Those uh those uh th- those ballots don't get submitted until Sunday night. So there's there's still more damage that can be done. And uh, you know what? I'm ready and waiting for it. Sure. Give it. Give it to me. Give me give me all the mayhem, all the chaos. Um, now, before we get deeper into the weeds of uh, college hoops, particularly our men's and women's games, um, we need to discuss some proper student section dancing real quick. Because yes, for because. some reason, for some reason, the Purdue Boilermakers student section went viral because people thought it was fire that their student section danced our Juicy Wiggle dance to Sandstorm, but not putting any energy into it. Like, they look
1: bored. They look so bored, and, and like, I don't see anything that makes them stand out. No. It's like,
0: like, the the one thing, the videos- one thing, there's a lot of places that do that dance to Sandstorm. Like, that's, there's nothing special about that. The only thing that was special about that video was the lack of enthusiasm that Purdue had. That stood out a little bit.
1: Now the caption of the video said, like,
0: this is fire. It was definitively less fire. There's, there was, you, you, you could do it better. You play that song at Iowa State and tell us to dance to that, that exact same dance, we will do it better. We do what is essentially the same dance to Juicy Wiggle better. You won't find a, a dance in a student section that is more enthusiastic than the Juicy Wiggle. The only one that comes close is probably Swag Surfing if you go down to the Plains. That's probably the only one that comes close. But, I mean, Juicy Wiggle in Ames, Iowa, people go absolutely bananas over this. And we also learned in volleyball earlier in the year that for some reason that dance also works to shake it off. So, It does When they won't play Juicy Wiggle for us you know, We'll make it work to anything mm-hmm. um, And then also Before we get into hoops uh, The football coaching carousel is heating up Now that uh, Nick Saban has announced his Retirement and will no longer be coaching At the University of Alabama um, How do you fill shoes like that?
1: Alabama what? head coach Matt Campbell N- Don't even
0: don't. Ah. Ah. No, we we know they're not going to hire Campbell. They're only going to hire one of the biggest names out there, and Campbell has done just mediocre enough in the last couple years to stay off the radar.
1: Um, which I guess say, fine so by me I'm
0: at the happy. moment. So.
1: Yes, fine, fine by me. Absolutely.
0: I'd I'd rather keep the best coach that Iowa State's ever had, but yeah, there's there's a laundry list of potential names that could. Uh, uh, replace Saban, some of which have been more prominent than others. Um, Dan Lanning has probably been the most common name that's been thrown around. Uh, it seems like coaches don't ever want to stay at Oregon for all that long, so you know maybe Dan Lanning comes back to the SEC. Uh, before he was head coach at Oregon, he was Kirby Smart's defensive coordinator at Georgia. So he is on the Saban coaching tree. Um, Lane Kiffin also Saban Coaching Tree, you know, he used to be an OC at Alabama before he, uh, uh, got his job at Ole Miss. Um, Mike Vrabel recently lost his job at the Tennessee Titans, you know, could he come back and coach college? We don't know. Uh, Kalen DeBoer just brought the Washington Huskies to a national title game, and he only has, like, three losses his entire head coaching career or something like that. It's it's kind of absurd between uh, Juco, NAIA, um, Fresno State, and Washington. And he's got a few national championships from when he was coaching Sioux City. So, um, Steve Sarkeesian, This one's getting thrown around a bit, to be honest. I don't find it believable. Texas is going to throw the bag at him to keep him. So, I mean... Do you see any reason to not believe that one?
1: I mean, it's Texas. If they throw the bag, then, then is that even surprising? No, Texas will go well out of the way to keep Steve
0: Sarkeesian in town. I don't think that they're, uh, they're going to let him go to Bama anytime soon. And then the other name that I find the most intriguing, particularly just because it would affect Iowa State the most, um, because it would be affecting who we play, um, and I, I don't think this is a particularly likely name to get hired, but Lance Leipold. What he's done with the Kansas program has been kind of kind of crazy to turn a program that was a perpetual bottom feeder into a contender year in, year out, and they haven't been to a Big 12 championship game yet, but if they do in the next year or two, that's not going to surprise me at all. So... Lance Leipold, I think, could be an outside uh, chance for that one. But with him not being on the Saban coaching tree, I think that uh, is a hindrance to him. Um, Got a little bit of stuff here for
1: volleyball. Blake? For volleyball, ISU grad Alexis Engelbrecht transfers back home to North Carolina after... After I believe you assumed that, that she was like all done. Like with like her volleyball career and such. Like she like you thought she was putting up the jersey.
0: No, that was so. Annie. That's Annie. She's done. She told me that no. herself. Um okay. No, I'd assume that Alexis is gonna grad transfer somewhere. Yeah. I mean, she's smart, of course she wants to stay in school, right? Um no. But yeah, no. She's going no. back to her home state in UNC. Um, you know, after giving Iowa State, you know, four years, you know, she, uh, she gave all you could ask for out here at Iowa State, was a fantastic Mm -hmm. defensive middle, you know, best of luck to her out at UNC.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, now let's get into the weeds of men's basketball. Um, yeah, loss at Oklahoma, not a great game, just generally. It was, uh, we, we struggled to get any kind of momentum, really, in that game. For for a large part, it's just kind of back and forth. And, uh, you know, you let Oklahoma go on a couple little runs here and there, and that ended up being the difference. Um, I don't know. You got any further commentary on that game besides that?
1: Honestly, no. Just not, just not one of our best games. Uh, for, co- for a conference opener on the road, uh. Like after, like after us not really being used to being on the road a whole lot, then I feel, I feel like that, that was one of the difference makers for our guys.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like you can call that game definitively mid. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the Houston game, on the other hand, was precisely the opposite. It was an excellent much. team game. While there wasn't necessarily any particular player, that stood out. And, and I think there were moments from particular players that stood out. Um, you know, Hassan Ward had some wonderful jams. Um, you know, Bob Jones being four for four at the free throw line was mm. absolutely amazing. And th- those four free throws, that's the margin of victory right there, you know, from a guy who's, you know, generally not the best at the free throw line. He came in when it counted and goodness, Bob Jones, Absolutely instrumental to that win. Milan, uh, you know, clutch, uh, jumper at the end, followed by two free throws to ice it. Um, and then, yeah, M- Milan and uh, Tame and Lipsy were the only players to reach double figures in this game. So it really goes to show, you know, this was a team game.
1: Yeah. Uh, the ESPN announcers called Milan Momchilevich's shot uh, near impossible. From that, that angle, like... yeah,
0: because more likely exactly than not, you're going to your hit the side of the backboard. That's a very difficult
1: angle to hit. Um the fade. Go ahead. They said this was no accident. Like he could play. Like they said he could play. He, oh yeah, Milan's know... very
0: talented. There's no doubt about that. He's one of the best freshmen in the country
1: right now. Yes. Um his his but shooting uh, form is beautiful. Uh, uh momentum, I gotta point out the momentum like in the first six minutes. Like that just that just got Hilton on their feet. Um, it was a, it was a sold out crowd, but with the snow and all, obviously a lot of people didn't show up. I mean, the upper deck was just not great, but it it felt like a sold out crowd still, like with yeah, with people just being that loud.
0: Yeah, well, when you go off on that kind of run to start the game, um, you know, when you get a big lead like that early on, you know, that gets a, an underdog team believing and it also gives them the cushion and they needed that cushion to end up winning
1: this game. Did you but, just call our guys an, an underdog? Well, well when, you're the, when you're playing
0: that when you're when you are unranked and you're playing the number 2 team in the nation and Vegas declares you as the dog because, you know, you get a higher payout if if, if you're the underdog then you're the underdog. The underdog is determined by dollars. So I like the uh the odds mentality but yeah the underdog is determined by dollars.
1: Yeah, but here's here's the Otzelberger quotes. Uh nobody's going to call us an underdog at Hilton Coliseum. I do love that. I do love that inspo. I love I love that motivation to his players. So the thing is buying... though
0: sometimes I think being the underdog gives you that chip on your shoulder where you say, you know what? Maybe we're the dog, but we shouldn't be. <laughs> um And I think that that was one of those games where where they just showed up and said, you know what, we're going to be the better team. They played team ball. This wasn't carried by any particular player's phenomenal night. This was team ball that went out there and did the job. By, you know, different clutch moments from different players, all when it needed to happen. And, you know, if we get into women's basketball here with that game against West Virginia, um, you know, it's, there's there's some similar storylines to that too. Now, Audie Crooks obviously played a very phenomenal game here, very much. But I don't think that that's the storyline of that game. I think the storyline of the women's game against West Virginia is Kelsey Jones hitting that three pointer in the second half. That- because even though that's the only points she scored in the entire game, after that the floodgates opened. That was it. Just took one domino to fall. And then the rest of it's a chain reaction. That got the team believing. Because before, when we were over from behind the arc through the entire first half, we put up a decent number of them and we were just missing. You know, shots weren't falling. The team started to get a little bit down on themselves. And then once Kelsey hit that three, the team started to believe again. And they got, you know, they got more enthused. They got more energetic. And that made a huge difference it completely swung the momentum for that game
1: part of it may have been uh bill Finley's halftime motivation just striking again
0: oh don't because, doubt like, don't doubt fens ability to adjust either on defense
1: no cuz like you said before like like so far in conference play has it like it's like like the first halves like haven't been the best but bill's bill's ability to adjust during halftime is just phenomenal
0: Yes, it really is. It's it's quite remarkable. And I mean, if you look at the end of that game, we ended that game on it was like a 38 to 9 run or something like that. Yeah. It was just wild. And the, the in the fourth quarter, I think it was a 13 to 2 run or something like that that ended
1: the game. You
0: know, 4 come, minutes
1: in come, sorry, 4 minutes 4 minutes into the third quarter, West Virginia's win probability was 97%.
0: Oh, I would hate to be the guy that was live betting on that for West Virginia. No that uh that would hurt that would hurt very very much to lose what should have been very easy money
1: no, I think whoever had to, whoever had had to do that live ending probably had to take out another mortgage
0: well no because you only lose what you put
1: in you don't lose more than much you put <laughs> in but I mean but imagine you never but know but imagine if he put in that much
0: you never know um we'll see what uh we'll see what fenn orchestrates tomorrow they got a game against fourth ranked <laughs> Baylor who just got their clocks cleaned earlier this week. <laughs> so, uh we'll we'll see how Baylor comes into that game with what kind of mentality they come in, because I think that they could either come in, you know, with this it's time to get back on track, absolutely prepped mentality, where they go in and they're shooting the lights out. Or they could be shell shocked from that last game and still be quite unsuccessful um and i'm not sure that there's going to be much in between on that and we'll see what our team comes in with that because you know our team still being a whole bunch of freshmen and, you know having come off a 19 point comeback um to win by 10 you know do we come in from that a little bit over hyping ourselves or you know do we come in from that saying let's not get down 19 in the first place type of deal um the mentality going into this game for both teams is going to play a major factor in the outcome of the game, and we don't really know what the mentality of the teams going into this one is going to be. Um, you know, any more to add to that one?
1: Uh, we did we did miss uh, next game for men's basketball. Uh, OSU, so that'll have that'll happen tomorrow as well.
0: Yes, they are they're at. Oklahoma State, they're they're in Gallagher-Iba Arena, correct? Or is that one at home?
1: I think it's at home. I think.
0: Okay, we get home doubleheader tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, women are at home tomorrow. Um. All right. Um, wrestling, we got a little bit of stuff to talk about. Uh, they outperformed at Arizona State. Um, they did sure. better than I predicted. Now, Arizona State did not wrestle all of their best guys. Um, which affected the outcome of this sum. We ended up winning 8 out of 10 bouts. Um, we got some, some statement wins here. Uh, 141, uh, t- uh, 12th-ranked Anthony Acimendia, uh tech-falled Cody Foot in the second period, uh, 451 tech-fall. Uh, 20th-ranked Cody Chittam did defeat 4th-ranked Jacory Teamer in a decision. This is one of the ones that I said to look out for uh, as a potential upset. Um, David Carr, Tech Falls, Nico Ruiz, uh, in the third period, uh, Will not beat 29th ranked Tony Negrin in a decision. Um, you know, it's a ranked matchup barely, um, you know, with Will being in the top 10 and Tony Negrin, you know, being 29th ranked by some, uh, you know, not ranked in other places, you know. And then the marquee matchup of the night, uh, was Younger Bastida and Colton Schultz and Younger did win that one um, by decision. And then our only two losses on the night were at 133 and 149, where uh, Julian Shiblove, uh beat Ethan Perryman in a major decision. And Caleb Larkin uh, won by fall, pinning Zach Redding in only 48 seconds. Um, so it was not a great showing for Zach Redding uh, at Arizona State. And then we very very much dominated our big 12 opener at Cal Baptist um, we won nine out of ten bouts in this one Ethan Perryman was the only one to lose he lost that one in decision as you kind of as you could have guessed by you know Cal Baptist scoring three points um, but yes dominant big 12 opener um, it was a big day for bonus points uh, with Cody Chittum, David Carr, Will Feldkamp, Younger Bastida, and Anthony Ekamendia all earning bonus points. Um, they were all either Tech Falls or Falls. David Carr and Will Feldkamp both won by fall. The other three were Tech Falls. And Younger Bastida improved his takedown ratio to 60-1. to 1. He's only been taken down once this entire season so far. Um, and he's improving... He's, he's proving himself to be one of the best heavyweights out there right now which i mean you see third rank and you're immediately going to think that he's one of the best um but you know this is his first season at heavyweight he's been wrestling at 197 the previous two years and you know it's great to see that this performance at heavyweight from younger because this is he's been putting on a clinic against everybody this year um and then that one iowa state just also completely on the takedown battle 30 to Mm 5 And tonight, they will be wrestling at home. uh, Big 12 home opener against Utah Valley. Um, Yeah, expect another solid victory for this one. Utah Valley is, generally speaking, not the most competitive squad.
1: Uh, Expect a solid victory for this. And, unfortunately, a very bad crowd. Because the duel got moved up to 5 p.m. uh, Because right now, it is snowing. Snowing very badly.
0: Yeah, it's only a little blizzard outside right now. Um it's a little blizzard. Just a little
1: blizzard. But, uh, just a little bit. Um,
0: now, DOT, did you see DOT sent out a tweet this morning said this is some of the worst conditions they've seen in a long time?
1: I haven't seen something like this in a while either. But uh, is,
0: Yeah, it's kind of wild. I think visibility outside my apartment right now is like maybe a quarter mile at most. Yep. Yeah.
1: Uh, athletics did encourage everyone to watch on ESPN Plus, so that kind that kind of gets me something to do because because ad, getting... ad revenue, ad <laughs> revenue. It's all about the ad I revenue,
0: got... guys. They they made the Blizzard. No
1: conspiracy theories here. No. Um, I got I gotta go the I gotta go the duel anyway, and I'm willing to walk. So
0: yeah, have fun with that. Um, and then. Our next duel after Utah Valley, we will be wrestling at home against Pitt. Uh, this will be the second time this year that we have wrestled in a duel against Pitt. We beat them at the collegiate duels in Nashville earlier this year, 21-14, to and throw in a home crowd advantage, and I think we win this one again. All right, Blake. There's a blizzard outside, and, uh, you know, part of a blizzard is uh, high-speed wins. Oh, boy. Am I See, good at segues just, or what? <laughs> it it works so well. Alright, give me some high speed wins, Blake.
1: Uh I do I do got a lot of gymnastics for you. Uh Fire away. so Jeanette, Gymnastics did lose their first their me of the season against number twenty seven Nebraska. Um but although a massive, massive improvement over last year. Um so they did announce that it was the highest score to open the season in twenty years. So that just tells you that the Coach Creek hype is real. Because we gave Nebraska a run for their money, staying within 300 points of them. So yeah. Last week was phenomenal. But tonight they'll face again, number 27. uh, This time Penn State. Tonight on Big Ten Plus. Uh, They'll go to the Fisk meet on Monday the 15th and return to Hilton on the 19th against BYU. And they've shown they've shown that they'll find a way like they've got they've got the groundworks and and like they're just they're just building on top of that they've got the groundworks for years to come uh behind me swimmies swimmies they'll be back uh after almost a month and tomorrow tomorrow they'll travel to you and i uh track and field that's not track and field but that's cross country uh, track and field, uh, will travel to the Hawkeye invitational. So and ISU tennis the team at The team at east. Uh ISU tennis duel in the desert will be this weekend. Uh they'll face Arkansas, Kansas, and Clemson in a hidden duel format. So they'll be in California okay, you, for that. Can you
0: explain to me what a hidden duel format is? I don't even know what that is.
1: I don't know. But but they just said like hidden dual format,
0: so we'd have to have a tennis person explain that one to us because that's I don't know tennis is not my thing. We'll um, bring we the tennis head coach on the podcast. That would be something to do. We need to we need to get more guests on the podcast.
1: Um, yes, and featuring our guests as the head coach uh, for tennis. Can you explain to us what a hidden dual format is? Yeah, I want to have Coach
0: Christie on the pod. That'd be us. That'd be awesome coach Everyone Christie for volleyball. To... Especially Everyone like right before to... right uh at some point during or before or after the spring season, something like that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um Yeah, y'all listeners, don't let us forget that one. Um, you know, tweet at us or something once we get to like April. Um All right, we got some NFL stuff to talk to uh to talk about. Um I don't want to get too much into the whole Bill Belichick thing. They hired their linebacker's coach to replace him. Uh, that saga ended kind of quickly. Didn't make a whole lot of storylines. No big-name hires out in New England. Uh, so let's move on to the games, to the playoffs. Um, the Vikings lost to the Lions 30-20 to 20 last week, eliminated them from playoff contention. They're done. Um, after all of the various checkboxes that they would have needed <laughs> to happen, if they had won that game, it became irrelevant because they lost. Um <laughs> Chicago Bears lost at Green Bay 9-17. to Didn't affect the Bears at all. It was completely meaningless for them. Um, now, Green Bay, on the other hand, uh, that locked up their playoff spot. So they were actually playing for something. Um, so they're going to be the 7th seed in the NFC. And they'll be playing at the Cowboys on wild card weekend. So, Blake, is this the year that the Cowboys don't blow it?
1: Cowboys are going to find a way. Because I want, I want that one video to stay alive of like, of like all their hopes of going to the Super Bowl.
0: It's just, it's y- you've seen like the cycle chart on, you know, on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, yes, right? Yes, I have. It's you know, the the We Dem Boys, this is our year, and you know, it just <laughs> digresses from there. Um, but there's there's some storyline to this game, and there's some storyline to a lot of the playoff games this year. But for this one in particular, uh, Green Bay is playing against their former head coach, Mike McCarthy. Um, You know, McCarthy's been in Dallas for a while now. so And this game's going to be at Sunday on 3.30 on Fox. Um, So y'all will be able to watch it. You know, good old over-the-air broadcast, the way the playoffs are supposed to be, hint, hint, NBC. (laughs) Um, We'll get to that one in a minute. Um, But, Blake, uh, the line on this one is Dallas minus 7.5. Um to be honest, I don't think the Packers really are as good as they've been playing the last few weeks. I think it's a little bit fluky. They got a little bit hot, and I think they're going to cool off. This Cowboys crowd is going to be one of the wildest we've seen in quite some time. This is the best Cowboys team we've excuse me, this is the best Cowboys Mm -hmm. team we've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Dallas wins, and I think they cover as well. I think Dallas wins this game by at least ten points.
1: I think they'll win, but I don't think they'll cover. I mean both teams both teams have proven to be competitive like over this past season. But uh Dallas like Dallas really surprised me for once, like this season especially. And and like the home crowd's gonna be there. I don't I don't think it'll it'll be enough like for them to actually cover. But I think they'll get a win out of this
0: good teams win great teams cover and this is the greatest Dallas team that I have seen in a very long time Um, so I think I think that Dallas is almost certainly gonna end up covering this but we'll see what ends up happening on Sunday when that actually happens Um, let's go to the other uh, team in the playoffs that we cover the Kansas City Chiefs they had the third seed in the AFC locked up a couple weeks ago Uh, they had their backups play against the Chargers um, and the backups did just enough to win a game that had no effect on anything at all. If ever there's a meaningless game, that was a meaningless game. Seeding was already locked up, charges were eliminated, it didn't matter. Um, but wild card weekend, um, the only th- game that was really affecting the Chiefs uh, in week 18, and this is going to determine wild card weekend, was uh, Bills and Dolphins. Loser was going to end up playing the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium in absolutely frigid weather. Uh, had the Bills lost that game, that might have been an advantage for the Bills, honestly, because <laughs> they deal with cold more often uh, than the Chiefs do. But Miami certainly does not, and Miami lost that game against the Bills. So Miami, a warm-weather team, has to come to Kansas City and play in what is expected to be one of the coldest NFL games of all time. Um, and this... Normally I say advantage Kansas City. But I'm throwing a question mark with that. Because is it so cold that there's just no advantage at all? Cuz that I mean that that's a legitimate possibility I think too. Is that there becomes a point where even teams that are used to colder weather you can't prepare for that cold. Um yeah, now expect the ball to stay on the ground a lot because wide receivers are going to have frozen fingers and they're just going to struggle to catch the ball. Uh, this playing surface is going to be rock hard because it's going to be frozen. Um, you know, they're playing on natural dirt out in uh, out at Arrowhead Stadium. They don't use a turf field out there. Um, and with that, you know, it's I, it might make this game a little bit more prone to injuries because that playing surface is going to be so hard. Um, and we're down the winning team. I can imagine playing on that. But no, and... I mean what I'm what I'm kind of thinking is, you know, it's that's going to wear down the team that has to play on this. And I think that that has some implications going into the divisional round for whoever wins. Um, you know, that's just a tough way to have to play and that's a tough environment to have to come out of. You know, even if you're the Chiefs and, you know, you're the home team, you know, when you got to play in that kind of conditions, that exhausts you. That exhausts you as a team, having to deal with that. That wears down on your body. Um, and having to go through the stresses of the harder ground and all the, all of that. You know, I I think that whoever wins this game, uh, ends up losing in the divisional round, kind of regardless. So we'll see what ends up happening. And of course, as I'd alluded to a couple minutes ago, this game will be Saturday at 7 p.m. on. Peacock. Exclusively.
1: How is this even allowed? This game should never just be on Peacock.
0: Why the NFL is approving of this, I don't understand. Um, This is the first game in memory that is not available through over-the-air broadcast.
1: And this is a playoff game?
0: Yes. Um... Yeah, it's the first playoff game in memory that's not available through over-the-air broadcast because even the ones that ESPN has acquired the rights to, they have played on ABC. So they're still available through over-the-air broadcast, And, you know, Fox broadcast theirs over-the-air, CBS broadcasts theirs over-the-air, and NBC has always broadcast theirs over-the-air on NBC. The streaming services have been irrelevant for this. that's part of what helps the NFL be so big is because it's accessible to everybody because everybody can get over-the-air broadcasting. You know, not everybody has, you know, every streaming service out there.
1: And remember, like, what these streaming services were even made for, like movies and TV.
0: Right. And, I mean, like, there's going to be a game at Hilton Coliseum tomorrow night. I'm not going to pay the five bucks to sit at my apartment and watch the Chiefs game when, you know, I could go to Hilton Coliseum. And have a good time there and be part of a loud environment and cheer for the Cyclones so sorry Peacock you're not getting my money you get enough of it during the summer when I want to watch Sunday morning baseball you don't get to have it now um, NBA let's uh, let's go to topics that are slightly less aggravating than Peacock um, the Timberwolves in the last week uh, won at the Rockets, 122 to 95, dominant win uh, versus the Rockets at the Target Center, before losing at the Mavericks, 115 to 108, winning at the Magic, 113 to 92, and then having an overtime loss at the Celtics, 127 to 120. Their dry spell in Boston continues. Blake, when was their last victory in Boston? Remind everybody.
1: Their last victory was March 2005.
0: It's been a little bit since they've won on the Celtics home floor. Now, March 2005 was before my second birthday. That's how long ago this was.
1: And I could say the same because we're both forming the same month. Yep. Um, yeah.
0: Outside of game results here, uh, not much in the way of trade news for Minnesota, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, they don't have a lot of cap space, so they're likely not going to have any major trades happen Um, and then upcoming here they're going to be at home versus the Trailblazers and the Clippers before they head to Little Caesars Arena and play the Detroit Pistons then they return home to the Target Center and play the Memphis Grizzlies Blake give us an update on the Milwaukee Bucks
1: Go Bucks No (laughs) All right. Previous week, uh, they lost. They lost to the Rockets and the Jazz. Uh, Gian, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, forty-eight points uh, against the Rockets. Despite that, also for the Jazz, despite his triple-double. I mean, he's he's working. He's working hard, but apparently the rest of the team isn't. It's it's
0: the lack of defense. The Bucks have struggled on defense since they traded away Jeru Holiday.
1: Uh, and then they had a very good very good win against the Celtics because they had a dominant first half there and the Bucks were beating them so bad that's in that NBA on TNT cut to the Knicks versus Mavericks game on Bally Sports while the Bucks game was still going
0: I'm a little curious to see how the rights work for that but I that that's mm-hmm. same that's uh I'm not even
1: going to bother with that right now um well they they it. Marketed- they market it as like as like oh around the NBA. And and like it was like it I mean was they just going just on. Go
0: to the stream and they just keep it on.
1: No, but like this like the buck score was like just on the top right corner, and and like streaming like streaming's done this before like with uh, the 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when Brock Purdy was playing. And then they just switched to another game. It was still on Fox, but they just switched to another game. Right, but it's it's one
0: thing when you switch to another game that you own the broadcast rights for. It's different when you switch to a game that you don't even own the broadcast rights for. So I don't know what kind of, you know, backroom negotiation happened or whatever to make that one happen. Nah, me neither. But where you just end up with switching to Bally Sports mid game on TNT. Um,. Cause and, and and I know that there's some other stuff that happens with Bally Sports, you know, and, and other RSNs, um, you know, but that's pre-negotiated stuff. Like I know, uh, like when Missouri Valley games, Missouri Valley Conference basketball games, are played on NBC Sports Chicago, that's a rebroadcast of Bally Sports Midwest. Um, but that's you know that's a previously negotiated type of deal. You don't just see them up and decide to. Play something on a different RSN on their own channel. Um, that's a little bit of a weird one, but nonetheless, but, that's what that is what happened. So,
1: but after that, they got upcoming games against, against the Warriors and the Kings at home, and then they'll travel to Cleveland for the Cavaliers.
0: And of course, my beloved Bulls have had an excellent last week, if Look not a little bit. Um, stressful, stressful, but good. Um, they got the win at home against the Hornets, 104-91, before they had two overtime wins in a row. Um, the first one being at Charlotte, uh, 119-112 to was the final score of that one, and then a uh, win at home in the United Center against the Houston Rockets, 124-119, to and it's good to see Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic both back in action at the same time. Um, but it might not be too long, and we'll see what ends up happening. Um, we might not have Zach Levine in Chicago all that much longer if some of these trade rumors uh, end up being true, because right now it looks like the one of the likely trade options is with Golden State for Zach Levine. Um, Warriors are looking to add a number two store, uh, scorer behind Steph Curry, and some of these Warriors players that are available for a trade, it looks like uh, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga, or the one that's interests me the most is Chris Paul, uh, even though he's you know aging a little bit now, but you know he is an All Star. Um, and then you know obviously the Bulls trade possibilities. Zach Levine's the top of that list, and then also DeMar Derozan. Um, and then if a trade doesn't end up materializing between the Warriors and the Bulls, uh, it might end up being because the Warriors are also interested in the Toronto Raptors Pascal Siakam. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, For the Bulls upcoming here, uh, they're going to host the Warriors at the United Center before they have a road trip uh, to San Antonio to play the Spurs, and then they will head to Cleveland playing the Cavaliers, and then they will play at the Raptors in a national broadcast game on TNT. All right. It's uh it's cold outside. Let's hit the ice. Hockey
1: time. Sir, sure. let's hit the ice. Uh, start with the wild as usual. Got yeah, pre- previous week. Uh, they won against uh the blue jackets in overtime, four to three. Matt Boldy with two goals and an assist. Brock Faber with three assists. Uh,
0: yeah. Mark uh, Andre Mar- Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury had a good night in that one. Yeah. And Mark Andre Fleury is now. Um. Sec, no second or third something like that on the all-time wins list. He's had a good career. He has. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, eight ninety-three save percentage against the uh, the Blue Jackets. Pretty good. Yes, it was uh, a pretty good showing.
1: Uh, Cole Sillinger with the hat trick too.
0: That was, yeah, that was Columbus's only three points was uh Cole cylinder hat trick um <laughs> before the wild would eventually go on and win an overtime
1: yeah
0: all right, uh, and then and they then, had uh, they got beat down by the stars twice. you know what you go ahead and talk about this
1: oh boy uh Matt Murray come coming in strong for Dallas too uh Fleur, with uh percent in saves they just need defense
0: and uh yeah. They definitely need defense because when you, when you think giving up four goals to nothing is bad, just wait for their next game.
1: The second game was seven to two. Yep. They are, they are 11. There are two, they are two and 11 end points.
0: Yeah. No, you know, okay. your defense is bad when the other team hits the over on their own.
1: <laughs> but Yeah. Back-to-back losses against the stars. Uh, but like body recording, body recording a goal and assist.
0: Um yeah. It's not a not a great game. Uh, that was that was the debut for former Iowa Wild goalie, uh, Jesper Wallsted, and um, not a great way to have your NHL debut.
1: Nah. They've, not
0: a not a good showing.
1: But he'll he'll learn he'll learn. Just give him some time.
0: Yeah, now it, it would help if uh, you know, Minnesota's defenseman would step up a little bit and give him a little bit more cover, but that is uh, not the situation that he had to work with, so No. Back to back blowout losses to the stars. And uh, upcoming
1: Blake. Upcoming the Guts uh, games versus versus the Flyers, Coyotes, Islanders, and then they'll travel to the Lightning.
0: Chicago Blackhawks um, it's been eventful for them this week, because they had a mixture of wins and losses, as opposed to just losses. Um, so you know, I guess that's kind of chaotic for them. But uh, they lost to the Devils four to two before beating the Calgary Flames four to three, and then they lost to the Oilers and the Jets two to one. Their offense has struggled this entire week. Um, and it's not going to get any better because their only player now, Connor Bedard, is out six to eight weeks, uh, after a jaw injury. So it's, uh, the outlook for the Chicago Blackhawks is not good. I mean, what do they do, Blake? Now, somehow they did win their game without Bedard, but this
1: is just one. Yeah. Oh win. yeah
0: that when that win at the flames was their first game without bedard um yeah so and then now they did have a new goalie in the net uh Dan Vladar uh, new goalie in the net he earned them the W um and then after that they had one goal in either game after that not able to get uh, much in the way of offense going. Um, once again, I would say they lost the battle of the Connors, but you know, Bedard didn't play against the Oilers. Um, McDavid was the only Connor to show up in that one. And, you know, McDavid and uh Leon Dreisidel, you know, both scold gores both scold scored goals for Edmonton. So that is, you know, kind of the way Edmonton operates. It's you know, Leon Dreisidel and Connor McDavid and they showed up and they scored. Um, the Jets, the Jets are a good team this year. The Blackhawks lost to them. Um, you know, Mrazik had a 928 save rate, but the defense just let too many shots through. Cause I mean, if you're saving at 928%, that's, you're going to win most games doing that. But, uh. You know, when you let that many shots through, there's uh, only so much that your uh, goaltender can do. So, that's uh that's how that one went. And upcoming in this next week, they're going to have homestands at the United Center uh, against the Stars and the Sharks. We'll see if they can beat the other most awful team in the league in the Sharks before they take a trip to Buffalo and play the Sabres. And then the St. Louis Blues uh, in the last week here, uh, they had a couple wins. Um, they had a win at the Canes, 2-1 uh, to one in a sh- uh, shootout. Um, Nathan Walker had a regulation goal, and then uh, Braden Chen had the winning shootout goal. Um, and Jordan Bennington, save rate at nine sixty seven in this game. That's really, really good goaltending. Uh, you do not see that very often, um, and because I, I mean you got to be allowing a lot of shots through to even get a number that high. To because they he did allow a goal to get scored. Don't don't forget that. Um, but yes, uh, very very strong goaltending to save at 967. Um, even though you're allowing a goal through, because when you're allowing that many shots, a shutout's almost impossible. Um, uh, the Panthers the defense didn't show up at all. Uh, they lost that one five to one. Uh, the Panthers are another tough team. Uh, Matthew Chachuk, three goals for Florida. That's a hat trick. You know, when someone's getting a hat trick and they're just on fire like that, generally you don't beat them unless, you know, you're the Minnesota wild and beat, uh, Columbus in Columbus on a Cole Sillinger hat trick. But that's an outlier. Um, And then they came back. They stormed back in their next game with some offense of their own. uh, 5-2 against the New York Rangers. Uh, Kyrou, hat trick on the home ice. Uh, Bennington had another great uh, game in the net at 9-52. And upcoming here, they're going to have home games at the Enterprise Center against the Bruins and Flyers before they travel to Washington and play the Capitals. And then, Blake, we finally got some off-season off action in Major League Baseball. It has Once. been quiet so far.
1: Yeah.
0: It's been real quiet so far. Um, but I mean, since we're, since we're going to be playing in a few months. Yeah, well, you know some chips are going to start falling at some point, um, you know, as we start getting into January and February, because spring training just starts in March here. So not a whole lot of time left for some of these free agents to get signed and some trades to happen. Um, but the arbitration deadline uh, is today, and the White Sox avoided arbitration with Dylan Cease. Uh, they signed him somewhere in the $8 million range. Um, the Brewers avoided a lot of arbitration. Uh, they signed Corbin Burns to $15.6 million, uh, shortstop Willie Adamas uh, to $12.25 million, and reliever Devin Williams for $7.2 million. And then the Cubs. The Cubs were active in the last couple days here. Um, They signed uh, Japanese pitcher Shota Imanaga um, to a four-year, $53 million deal, um, and that effectively curtailed any rumors of Dylan Cease getting traded uh, back to the Cubs from the White Sox. That was before Cease signed uh, the the arbitration agreement. Um, Marcus Stroman is officially out of Chicago. Um, he signed a two-year, $37 million deal with the Yankees. You know, he was a free agent. The Cubs, you know, could have made a move to get him back, but they did not. Um, and then the Cubs made a big uh, prospect deal with the Dodgers. Uh, they're getting infielder Michael Bush, who is sixth among Dodgers prospects, and then they're also receiving Yancy Almonte. Uh, both of those players uh, played a handful of games in the big leagues, and the Cubs, uh, in order to get those, traded pitcher Jackson Ferris, who is 14th amongst their prospects, and they also traded single A outfielder uh, Zahir Hope to Los Angeles. Uh, follow the Cornfield Sports Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find Blake.
1: Find me at BlakeAttack1846.
0: Find me at the Menson Minute. Of course, follow the podcast itself at C Uh, Hit that follow button on Spotify, the plus button on Apple. Subscribe on YouTube and on Rumble.
1: This is Blake Peterson.
0: I'm Matt Menson. Our producer is Vinny Cataldo, and this has been the Cornfield Sports Pod.